Well, today uh, we're back into wide open spaces, uh, and we're going to talk about um, a concept that I think is revolutionary, and literally, I don't want to overstate it, but, uh, but we're going to see in a moment, it literally is be- between life and death uh, of what could happen in, in our world. Open, wide open spaces, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4 is where I want to start today. It says, it's such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. I almost just taught on that verse right there today, but, uh, but I, want, I want to pursue this other idea. Who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, because that's what we're part of, There is an Old Covenant, an Old Testament, but there is a New Testament, a New Covenant, and that's what we're part of today. It's the arrangement that God has made with planet Earth and with people today. He's made us adequate as servants of a New Covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. That's a powerful idea. To not overstate what I want to talk about today, but to, but to at least put it in scriptural terminology, this is the difference between life and death. The, the letter kills, the spirit gives life. The law kills, but the Holy Spirit brings us into life. If you would look on our website for our church, you would see that our um, motto, uh, as people search for us, is that we are a contemporary, life-giving church. And the concept of being life-giving as a church is our focus is on the potential of people, the potential of life, uh, the potential of what can happen in your world when, when you allow God into your life in a real way. And we're focused on, on potential. We're focused on dreams and visions. And we're encouraging people to keep dreaming dreams. Keep seeing something that's, that's bigger, greater, better, brighter than where you are today. Thank you for amening these beautiful ideas. I'm appreciating that a lot. Uh, uh, we're focusing on the fact that with God, all things are possible. Your life is full of possibilities uh, because of God, because of his help, because of his power. Our focus is on the promises of God, and there are promises that God gives that are yes and amen in Christ, and those promises lift our life. We're framing our future by the promise of God, not by experience from the past. And the promise of God is taking us somewhere. We're, we're, we're about understanding that, that God is a permission-giving God, not just a don't-do-this kind of God. In that, the Bible has already given us uh, the command to go into all the world. So we don't need God to tell us to go. You've always got a green light. Keep moving forward. God will tell you when there's a red light, when there's time to stop. And then we just end this whole idea that 
God is for you. God is on your side. We just sang a great song about that. And so we're here to give life to people. There are uh, churches, there are tribes, uh, there are people, there are ministries that, that would, would find themselves on the other side of this thing where they are letter ministry or law ministry. And their preaching and their content and their tone is about what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what you, what you don't do, what you can't do. You know, their, their, their approach is don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls that do. You know, the, the focus is on don't, can't, shouldn't. And I just, I think it's okay for us to understand. I have this, you know, don't should on me. And, and there, there is this um, approach to understanding how this works that literally is the difference between life and death. The law, the letter, tells you what's wrong with you. And it's a good thing. I mean, it's, it, it is important to understand what the straight edge is so that we will know how crooked we really are. But the purpose of the law is not to make you right with God. The purpose of the law is to lead you to Christ. The purpose of the law is to say, this is what's right, this is what's wrong, you don't get to make it up yourself, and this is, but it doesn't lead you to a great life. It just tells you what's wrong. The law tells you what's wrong with you. The life in the Spirit tells you what's possible for you. The law tells you where you're wrong, but life tells you where you've been made right. And so the concept that's hidden in all of this, or not even hidden, is this idea, the, the letter condemns, but life lifts. So the difference is a walk with God that has the cloud of condemnation over it and a life that has the cloud of condemnation over it or a life that is lifted by the life of God. So I want to read a couple more verses that are the next verses of 2 Corinthians 3. I want to read these out of the message. But verse 7 starts this. The government of death, its constitution chiseled on stone tablets. This is Moses coming down from meeting with God. Ten commandments written on the stone tablets. Had a dazzling inaugural. Moses' face as he delivered the tablets was so bright that day, even though it would soon uh, fade soon enough that the people of Israel could no more look right at him than stare into the sun. How much more dazzling then is the government of living spirit. If the spirit of, if the government of condemnation was impressive, how about this government of affirmation? Bright as that old government was, it would look downright dull alongside this new one. If that makeshift arrangement impressed us, how much more this brightly shining government installed for eternity. I love the way the New American Standard even puts this idea. The message says it's a government of condemnation, a government 
of affirmation, New American Standard says there's a ministry of condemnation or there's a ministry of righteousness. I'm, I'm praying for some lights to go on, for some aha moments to take place for us today because I believe this is not just a, 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 a tweaky little thing I believe this is enormously important. Are you living by the letter or by life? Are you living under condemnation or in the righteousness of God? Are you living in condemnation from God or affirmation from God? I want to encourage you today to have the strength, to have the boldness, to not sit under condemnation preaching. Amen. I, I listen to some guys preach, and I'm thinking, what are you so mad about? What's going on? That, and the truth is, I think what happens is once you are living under the cloud of condemnation, you just want to make sure that everybody else gets to enjoy that too. Condemnation preaching, it's what I first got uh, saved under. It's, it's, it's what I first knew in church life was you should and you should do more and you should do even more. And you shouldn't, and it was all framed and characterized by uh, don't and can't and try harder and strive. And, uh, and I'm just saying to you, all that belongs to the old covenant. And it, it, it kills you with its should, its shouldn't, its don't, its can't. It, it puts you under condemnation, which kills. Romans 8 says this, this way, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. This word condemnation is an interesting word in the Greek. It's, it's a compound word, uh, katakrino, which literally means down judgment. So the, there is no down judgment on you when you're in Christ. If, if you think God is down on you, then you're going to end up thinking he's down on everybody. And you're going to end up thinking he's down and bad about everything. The way you think about God, whether you think God is uh, angry and down and condemning, as opposed to God is for you, full of life, full of uh, strength, full of hope, full of promise, the way you think about God literally shapes your life. It, it, it shapes the way you interact with God, it shapes the way you interact with people. 
Because if you're miserable, you're going to let everybody else share that misery with you. It shapes the way you view the future. It shapes the way you view your potential in life. In other words, everything about you is going to be shaped by whether you think God is down on you or God is lifting you up. Whether, whether you can keep the rules or whether God is lifting you with the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. I'm here to announce to you today, I want you to get set free from God is down on me. And I want you to get set free to, to the understanding this, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus lifts my life. You know, the law of gravity is affecting all of us. I don't know that I'm crazy about that idea. <laughs> it's things that used to be up or down, right? <laughs> the, law, the law of gravity is always wanting to pull you down. And as long as you live on this planet, you're going to be subject to the law of gravity. It is always going to be wanting to pull you down. And as long as you live on this planet, there's always stuff that is trying to pull your life down. And it, it might, the law of gravity might hit your finances, it might hit your relationships, it might hit your dreams and aspirations. Can you hear what I'm saying? There's always a law of gravity that is trying to pull us down. You won't escape that. You, you, don't, you don't get away from the law of gravity. But there's also always a law of lift that causes you to rise above the law of gravity that's pulling you down. Uh, it amazes me every time I get on an airplane so we get on this plane in Atlanta, and uh, this enormous plane, I mean huge plane, it's got, got hundreds of people, 300 people at least are on this plane. All of their luggage, which everybody maxes out the amount of luggage they can take, and people are carrying stuff on the plane, and then not everybody on the plane is tiny, and... Uh, and then this plane is just enormous, and the law of lift allows that plane to override the law of gravity. And I always amazed, I, I, I still to this, I mean, I've literally dozens and dozens of times been overseas, and, and to think that I can sit in a chair and ride across the ocean in the air in air-conditioned, pressurized comfort is an incredible thing. And I start thinking about flying over the ocean sometimes and I go, you know, they give you all these instructions about the life vest and all that, but 
I mean, honestly, if your plane crashes into the ocean from 30,000 feet, you don't need a life vest. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> you, you don't need to know how to pull the seatbelt off. Unbuckle. You're done. And I, but I, I always console myself with this idea. Every day, thousands and thousands of people, every year, millions and millions of people use the law of lift to override the law of gravity. And yet, I also know that there are millions of people who've never actually even been on a plane and millions of people who use the law of gravity as an excuse to stay down when there is a law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus that will lift you. You're not going to be lifted by keeping the rules. Let me try this side of the room. You're not going to be lifted by keeping the rules. I'm not saying the rules are bad. I'm saying the rules can't lift your life. I would say this. Come on, guys. Rock Church reporting for takeoff. Right? There's a, there's a law of down, there's a law of up. And the concept for, a, for an airplane is it's the attitude of the plane. That's literally what they call it, the attitude. If, if the attitude, if the nose of the plane is up, the plane will fly. If the nose of the plane is down, the plane will go down. I think it's the your attitude is huge. Some people have this attitude. Everything goes wrong for me. Well, I'm here to tell you, they do. Everything can go wrong. But I'm also here to tell you, everything can start to go right. You can go, your attitude can take you down, you can take you up. There are people that their attitude is, ah, kids can go bad. But there's other people that have the attitude, you know, kids can go right. That, you know, there's the attitude of problems can come. They will. But I also want to announce to you that problems can be overcome. Jesus said this, John 16, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have squeezing. You're going to have the pull of gravity. But take courage. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You can lift. I love Helen Keller's quote, the world is full of sorrow, but it's also full of the overcoming of it. So I think the question for all of us is, what do you want? What are you looking for? Are you looking for things to go down? Are you looking for things to go up? And here's what the Bible's teaching us. The letter kills by condemnation. 
The law of the spirit of life lifts us by affirmation. There's a huge difference between a condemned heart and a heart full of life. And we all know that all the issues of your heart, Proverbs 4.23, all the issues of your life flow out of your heart. So if, if you're living under this law, letter, keep the rules, which no one can do, and you're living under this cloud of condemnation and you're somehow trying to earn the approval of God by your behavior or performance, can I just tell you, when you're living under condemnation, it, it affects your walk with God? Because you know how it is. No, I don't like to go into any room where I think there's people in that room that don't like me. Right? I'm going in places where I feel like people love me. And if I keep going to a place that I feel like I'm not liked, eventually I'm going to start to stay away from there. And the person who thinks they're under the constant disapproval of God is never going to keep approaching God because I don't want to keep meeting this disapproval, this disappointment that I'm causing him, this thing. Come on, a, a condemned heart will affect your walk with God. It'll affect your relationship with other people. Because if you're carrying condemnation around with you, you're going to start to put it on other people. If you, you think you're not good enough, and then you're always judging how they're not good enough. Let me just say, I think we would all have to reach a place of perfect to start judging other people. And since you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, let's stop the judgment. That was for free. Come on, Condem condemnation, uh, it, it messes with your ability to move forward in life, to have any sense of certainty, because you're always like, uh, should I, uh, ooh. right? I mean, when you're convinced that God's for you, and you're convinced that the promise of God is greater than your weakness, and the strength of God is far greater than your capacity, you go, well, I could give this a go. But if you're living under condemnation, it's like, I don't want to do anything that might be wrong. A heart full of life is going to be free to approach the throne of grace with confidence and ask God for incredible things. It's going to have that posture, that open air. A, a, a heart full of life is going is to be free to bless other people because it's not concerned about why did they get ahead and I didn't. Truth is, when you get the revelation that life is full of abundance, you realize that other people's blessing doesn't take anything from you. As a matter of fact, when I look at somebody else being blessed, sometimes I think this thought, if God could bless that idiot... He could certainly bless this idiot. Come on, a heart full of life is confident to move forward, to make life count, to not live in this small, afraid, sheltered, guarded life. A condemned heart is down, down on itself, 
down on life, down on God, down in its outlook. My objective today is for us to get free from condemnation because condemnation kills. There is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is specific. Condemnation is vague. Conviction is the Holy Spirit going, shouldn't have said that. Conviction is the Holy Spirit going, shouldn't look at that. Conviction is the Holy Spirit saying, go here, don't go there. And calling, condemnation is this vague thing that just is this sort of, I just can't quite seem to get it together, get my life right, get God happy with me. And I'm always living under this cloud of disapproval. This vague kind of cloud. Conviction will make you want to run to God. Condemnation will make you want to hide from God. So I want to give you a couple, I want to make this as practical as I can. And I think two very important biblical keys to overcoming condemnation is to look out and to look up. To look out to love other people and to look up to believe God. Everybody say, look out, look up. So I want to show you this passage. Uh, I think it's a profound idea about how to get free from condemnation by literally by looking out to love on people. 1 John 3.18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. So the call is love, put some action to it. We shall know by this that we're loving people that we are of the truth. And that's what will assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So let me, let me break this down. We will know by this that we love people that we are of the truth. That's what this verse says. We shall know by this, loving people, that this would assure our hearts before him. You know you've touched reality in God when you've started loving on people. So, this is super practical. To overcome down-thinking condemnation cloud, down feeling, down outlook. Here's, here's, the key, here's the key. Look out rather than look in. Reach out rather than take in. We, we have a couple of neighbors that are, they're, they're, older than us, which is old, and <laughs> they, uh, 
Suzette knows all of our neighbors. She knows all of their dogs' names, everything. I just kind of know they live there. Uh, I have my headphones on. I walk by their house. I wave. I speak a blessing over their house. I keep moving. Suzette's in a conversation with all of them. I'm the introvert. She's the extrovert. And uh, she got in a conversation with our, our next-door neighbors and kind of find out the, talking to the guy, the, the man, the husband, his wife had a stroke and half of her body is, has stopped working. And she's in this therapy that's pretty intensive, has to go every day. And Suzette finds out about it, and she just wants to go visit this lady. It's just our neighbor, just some money that lives right next door to us. And so Suzette goes to the, to the hospital where she's having her treatments take a place. And Suzette comes home. She goes, I just had the best time. She goes, this lady is so full of life so full of laughter, so full of faith, and she, like, she lifted my life, and what I'm saying is, Suzette had her life, when we sat, we ate dinner that night, that's all she talked about, was this lady, and how incredible she was, and the whole situation, and I mean, Suzette's like, you know, she just, she, she just, because, because she, she reached out something profound, I'm saying to you, I think some of us, it would just do us good to quit being so inward and start to reach out to people. You don't need to be perfect to love people. And what I'm saying is this. You're not going to overcome condemnation by analysis. You're, you're going to get the paralysis of analysis. Because I think this, and this, uh, this, I, this is my struggle, because I'm an analyzer, and, and I have a tendency to do this. The more you analyze yourself, the more good reasons you can find to condemn yourself. There is a time to analyze when God is analyzing, when God's convicting. But let me just say to you, if you start the what am I doing wrong game, you spend your whole life chasing the rabbit of what you're doing wrong. And God wants you to come into the wide open spaces of his grace and not live in the confined space of trying to figure out what's wrong with you. Because you know what? There's a lot wrong with you. Once you start that overanalyzed situation, and I listen to some preaching that I think they're just trying to find new things to condemn people with. And I'm going, that is, that's, that's killing people. Your mind, your heart starts doing all kinds of weird things. I'm saying one of the best, if you feel down, if you feel condemned, if you feel like, I just, I can't, I can't get a lift off, can I say one of the best things you could do is look out, reach out to somebody? Because when you get down on people, what usually happens is you get more concerned with what you're getting 
than what you're giving. So when you're down on people, you're always concerned about, what am I going to get out of this? But when you, when you get concerned about giving, about reaching out, about loving on people, it changes everything. Hey, listen, I, I know there's people in our church, they, they're like 100% in, they're just giving their best, and I can tell you, those people love this place. And they're experiencing the life of this place. And I know there are some people that just kind of stand back and say, what am I going to get out of this? Those are two very different people. And I'm not even trying to put a condemnation on you. That would not be a good thing to do during this message. (laughs) But what I am trying to point out to you is if you, where, if you just, wherever you show up, if you show up with an attitude of what am I going to get out of this, instead of an attitude of what can I give to this, it matters a lot. It, it'll, affect, it'll affect your relationship with your spouse. It'll affect your relationship with your job, with your kids, with your whole life. When you start to look out, when you start to reach out, something happens in your soul. Second idea of how to overcome condemnation practically is you got to look up. Everybody say up. You don't overcome condemnation by performance, but by faith. Faith in your performance will continue to put you under condemnation because your performance is always falling short. The minute that you set yourself a performance goal, I'm going to read my Bible a chapter a day. As soon as you get that down, then if condemnation's working in your heart, it's going, now I got to read three chapters or I'm worthless. And I'm all for reading three chapters, five chapters, ten chapters a day. But I'm saying, let it come out of life because you want to. The way to overcome condemnation is to embrace your position in Christ. You can't perform your way out. You can't do good enough (laughs) to to remove the grounds for condemnation. You believe your way out. You accept that there is a free gift of righteousness. You you accept that there's this free gift from God, not condemned. You accept that there's this free gift from God. He's for us. We sang it in the song. I love that song. Blessed to know he's favored me. I'm not earning that favor by how good I am. It's because of how good he is. All right, one last passage of scripture, and then we're going to pray together. Romans chapter 5. Are you getting anything out of this? Yeah? Romans chapter 5, verse 16. The gift, everybody say the gift. The gift. It's not like that which came through the one who sinned. That's Adam. For on the one hand, judgment arose from that one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose 
from many transgressions resulting in justification. Those are big theological terms. If by the transgression of the one death reigned, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Christ Jesus. Those are people who are living by the law of the spirit of life in Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. Well, I think we're often trying to climb onto a platform that God's already just placed us on. I think we're often we're trying to be righteous when he's actually made us righteous. I think often we're trying to win his approval rather than just realizing he's already given. I think some of us are striving to fulfill destiny, to make place for ourselves when he's already given us a place. Here's my encouragement to you today. Receive the abundance of grace. Receive the gift of righteousness. And here's what the Bible says. From that platform, you start to reign in life. Like you start to live. The Greek idea is literally you start to live like a king in life. The letter kills because it always puts you under condemnation. But life lifts because it always brings you into affirmation. I want to pray with you today. Would you take a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I'm, I, I just know that so many of us in this room fall under this cloud of vague disapproval. And I'm just praying that the lights are coming on, the aha moments are happening, that a revelation of your incredible love, your incredible grace, the gift of life that you give to us. It's not a technique. It really is the lights coming on. So I'm praying for every person in this room. I, Lord, I don't want to see any person leave this room with a cloud of condemnation over their life. Every head still bowed, please. Every eye closed. I just want to give you this chance to open up your heart to the person of Jesus Christ. You know, it may be that you've never really given your heart, given your life into his hands. And maybe you actually thought, oh, that means I got to get my act together. But you're hearing something today that makes you realize it's not about you being perfect. It's about you opening your heart. Got to work that stuff out. But I'm going to encourage you to come to him right now. Open your heart right now to allow Jesus, who loves you, who's for you, who wants to lift you, let him into your world. Maybe you're here today and you used to be close to God, closer than you are today. But something's happened, maybe a disappointment, maybe just choices you made. But all of a sudden you find yourself not in the right place. Today would be a great day for you just to come home. Just come home. Or maybe you feel unsure about where you stand. 
Nobody's looking around. We're just going to pray together. But if you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to give my life to Christ. Uh, I know I need to come back to him or I just want to, I, I want to feel sure I'm right with God. Would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand real high just right now all over this room. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Come on. You're never going to be in an environment that's more for you than this one. An environment where God is here for you and he wants to touch your world in an incredible way. Because there anybody else that just says, hey, that's me. God bless you. Thanks. Anybody else? God bless you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Come on, just, you're just opening your heart to God. Okay, you can put your hands down now. Thank you. I want everybody to pray this prayer. I want you to, I want you to own the moment here. This is for everyone who lifted their hands, but let's all pray this together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I want you. I need you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I'm sorry. I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning as I receive Jesus as my Lord. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord?